Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Chapter 22 Yet it was when she had got off, and I missed her on the spot, that the great pinch really came. If I had counted on what it would give me to find myself alone with Miles, I speedily perceived, at least, that it would give me a measure. No hour of my stay, in fact, was so assailed with apprehensions as that of my coming down to learn that the carriage containing Mrs. Grouse and my younger pupil had already rolled out of the gates. Now, I was, I said to myself, face to face with the elements, and for much of the rest of the day, while I fought my weakness, I could consider that I had been supremely rash. It was a tighter place still than I had yet turned round in, all the more that, for the first time, I could see in the aspect of others a confused reflection of the crisis. What had happened naturally caused them all to stare. There was too little of the explained throughout whatever we might in the suddenness of my colleague's act. The maids and the men looked blank, the effect of which on my nerves was an aggravation until I saw the necessity of making it a positive aid. It was precisely, in short, by just clutching the helm that I avoided total wreck. And I dare say that, to bear up at all, I became that morning very grand and very dry. I welcomed the consciousness that I was charged with much to do, and I caused it to be known as well that, left thus to myself, I was quite remarkably firm. I wandered with that manner for the next hour or two, all over the place, and looked, I have no doubt, as if I were ready for any onset. So for the benefit of whom it might concern, I paraded with a sick heart. The person it appeared least to concern proved to be, till dinner, little Miles himself. My perambulations had given me, meanwhile, no glimpse of him, but they had tended to make more public the change taking place in our relation as a consequence of his having at the piano the day before kept me in Flora's interest, so beguiled and befooled. The stamp of publicity had, of course, been fully given by her confinement and departure, and the change itself was now ushered in by our non-observance of the regular custom of the schoolroom. He had already disappeared when, on my way down, I pushed open his door, and I learned below that he had breakfasted in the presence of a couple of the maids, with Mrs. Grouse and his sister. He had then gone out, as he said, for a stroll, then, which nothing, I reflected, could better have expressed his frank view of the abrupt transformation of my office. What he would not permit this office to consist of was yet to be settled. There was a queer relief, at all events, I mean for myself in especial, in the renouncement of one pretension. If so much had sprung to the surface, I scarce put it too strongly in saying that what had perhaps sprung highest 
was the absurdity of our prolonging the fiction that I had anything more to teach him. It sufficiently stuck out that, by tacit little tricks, in which even more than myself he carried out the care for my dignity, I had had to appeal to him to let me off straining to meet him on the ground of his true capacity. He had, at any rate, his freedom now. I was never to touch it again, as I had amply shown, moreover, when, on his joining me in the schoolroom the previous night, I had uttered, on the subject of the interval, just concluded, neither challenge nor hint. I had too much, from this moment, my other ideas. Yet, when he at last arrived, the difficulty of applying them, the accumulations of my problem, were brought straight home to me by the beautiful little presence on which what had occurred had as yet, for the eye, dropped neither stain nor shadow. To mark for the house the high state I cultivated, I decreed that my meals with the boy should be served, as we called it, downstairs, so that I had been awaiting him in the ponderous pomp of the room outside of the window, of which I had had from Mrs. Grouse, that first scared Sunday, my flash of something it would scarce have done to call light. Here at present I felt afresh, for I had felt it again and again, how my equilibrium depended on the success of my rigid will, the will to shut my eyes as tight as possible to the truth that what I had to deal with was, revoltingly, against nature. I could only get on at all by taking nature into my confidence and my account, by treating my monstrous ordeal as a push in a direction unusual, of course, and unpleasant, but demanding, after all, for a fair front, only another turn of the screw of ordinary human virtue. No attempt, nonetheless, could well require more tact than just this attempt to supply oneself all the nature. How could I put even a little of that article into a suppression of reference to what had occurred? How, on the other hand, could I make reference without a new plunge into the hideous obscure? Well, a sort of answer, after a time, had come to me, and it was so far confirmed as that I was met, incontestably, by the quickened vision of what was rare in my little companion. It was indeed as if he had found even now, as he had so often found at lessons, still some other delicate way to ease me off. Wasn't there light in the fact which, as we shared our solitude, broke out with a specious glitter it had never yet quite worn, the fact that, opportunity aiding, precious opportunity which had now come, it would be preposterous, with a child so endowed, to forgo the help one might wrest from absolute intelligence. What had his intelligence been given him for but to save him? Mightn't one, to reach his mind, risk the stretch of an angular arm over his character? It was as if, when we were face to face in the dining room, he had literally shown me the way. The roast mutton was on the table, and I dispensed with attendance. Miles, before he sat down, stood a moment with his hands in his pockets and looked at the joint, on which he seemed on the point of passing some humorous judgment. But what he presently produced was, "'I say, my dear, is she really very awfully ill?' "'Little Flora, not so bad, but that she'll presently be better. "'London will set her up. "'Bly had ceased to agree with her. "'Come here and take your mutton.' 
he alertly obeyed me, carried the plate carefully to his seat, and when he was established, went on. Did Bly disagree with her so terribly suddenly? Not so suddenly as you might think. One had seen it coming on. Then why didn't you get her off before? Before what? Before she became too ill to travel? I found myself prompt. She's not too ill to travel. She only might have become so if she had stayed. This was just the moment to seize. The journey will dissipate the influence. Oh, I was grand. And carry it off. I see, I see. Miles, for that matter, was grand, too. He settled to his repast with the charming little table manner that, from the day of his arrival, had relieved me of all grossness of admonition. He was irreproachable, as always today, but he was unmistakably more conscious. He was discernibly trying to take for granted more things than he found, without assistance, quite easy. And he dropped into peaceful silence while he felt his situation. Our meal was of the briefest, mine a vain pretense, and I had the things immediately removed. While this was done, Miles stood again with his hands in his little pockets and his back to me, "'stood and looked out of the wide window "'through which, that other day, "'I had seen what pulled me up. "'We continued silent while the maid was with us. "'As silent, it whimsically occurred to me, "'as some young people who, "'on their wedding journey at the inn, "'feel shy in the presence of the waiter. "'He turned round only when the waiter had left us. "'Well, so we're alone. "'Chapter 23 Oh, more or less. I fancy my smile was pale. Not absolutely. We shouldn't like that, I went on. No, I suppose we shouldn't. Of course we have the others. We have the others. We have indeed the others, I concurred. Yet even though we have them, he returned still with his hands in his pockets and planted there in front of me, they don't much count, do they? I made the best of it, but I felt wan. It depends on what you call much. Yes, with all accommodation, everything depends. On this, however, he faced to the window again. He remained there a while, with his forehead against the glass, in contemplation of the stupid shrubs I knew and the dull things of November. I had always my hypocrisy of work behind which, now, I gained the sofa. Steadying myself with it there as I had repeatedly done, at those moments of torment that I have described as the moments of my knowing the children to be given to something from which I was barred, I sufficiently obeyed my habit of being prepared for the worst. But an extraordinary impression dropped on me as I extracted a meaning from the boy's embarrassed back. None other than the impression that I was not barred now. This inference grew in a few minutes to sharp intensity and seemed bound up with the direct perception that it was positively he who was. The frames and squares of the great window were a kind of image, for him, of a kind of failure. I felt that I saw him, at any rate, shut in or shut out. He was admirable, but not comfortable. I took it in with a throb of hope. Wasn't he looking, through the haunted pane, for something he couldn't see? And wasn't it the first time in the whole business that he had known such a lapse? 
The first. The very first. I found it a splendid portent. It made him anxious, though he watched himself. He had been anxious all day, and, even while in his usual sweet little manner he sat at table, had needed all his small strange genius to give it a gloss. When he at last turned round to meet me, it was almost as if this genius had succumbed. Well, I think I'm glad Bly agrees with me. You would certainly seem to have seen, these twenty-four hours, a good deal more of it than for some time before. I hope, I went on bravely, that you've been enjoying yourself. Oh, yes, I've been ever so far, all round, about, miles and miles away. I've never been so free. He had really a manner of his own, and I could only try to keep up with him. Well, do you like it? He stood there smiling. Then at last he put into two words. Do you? More discrimination than I had ever heard two words contain. Before I had time to deal with that, however, he continued, as if with the sense that this was an impertinence to be softened. Nothing could be more charming than the way you take it, for, of course, if we're alone together now, it's you that are alone most. But I hope, he threw in, you don't particularly mind. Having to do with you, I asked. My dear child, how can I help minding? Though I've renounced all claim to your company, you're so beyond me, I at least greatly enjoy it. What else should I stay on for? He looked at me more directly, and the expression of his face, graver now, "'struck me as the most beautiful I had ever found in it. "'You stay on just for that. "'Certainly, I stay on as your friend, "'and from the tremendous interest I take in you "'till something can be done for you "'that may be worth your while. "'That needn't surprise you.' "'My voice trembled so that I felt it impossible "'to suppress the shake. "'Don't you remember how I told you "'when I came and sat on your bed "'the night of the storm?' "'that there is nothing in the world I wouldn't do for you. "'Yes, yes.' "'He on his side, more and more visibly nervous, "'had a tone to master. "'But he was so much more successful than I "'that, laughing out, he could pretend we were pleasantly jesting. "'Only that, I think, was to get me to do something, for you. "'It was partly to get you to do something,' I conceded. "'But, you know, you didn't do it. "'Oh, yes,' he said with the brightest superficial eagerness. "'You wanted me to tell you something.' "'That's it. Out, straight out. "'What you have on your mind, you know. "'Ah, then, is that what you've stayed over for?' "'He spoke with a gaiety through which I could still catch "'the finest little quiver of resentful passion. "'But I can't begin to express the effect upon me "'of an implication of surrender even so faint.' It was as if what I had yearned for had come at last only to astonish me. Well, yes, I may as well make a clean breast of it. It was precisely for that. He waited so long that I supposed it for the purpose of repudiating the assumption on which my action had been founded. But what he finally said was, Do you mean now, here? There couldn't be a better place or time. He looked round him uneasily, and I had the rare, oh, the queer, impression of the very first symptom I had seen in him of the approach of immediate fear. 
"'It was as if he were suddenly afraid of me, "'which struck me indeed as perhaps the best thing to make him. "'Yet in the very pang of the effort "'I felt it vain to try sternness, "'and I heard myself the next instant "'so gentle as to be almost grotesque. "'You want so to go out again?' "'Awfully!' "'He smiled at me heroically, "'and the touching little bravery of it "'was enhanced by his actual flushing with pain. "'He had picked up his hat, which he had brought in, "'and stood twirling it, in a way that gave me, "'even as I was just nearly reaching port, "'a perverse horror of what I was doing. "'To do it in any way was an act of violence, "'for what did it consist of but the obtrusion "'of the idea of grossness and guilt on a small helpless creature?' who had been for me a revelation of the possibilities of beautiful intercourse. Wasn't it base to create for a being so exquisite a mere alien awkwardness? I suppose I now read into our situation a clearness it couldn't have had at the time, for I seem to see our poor eyes already lighted with some spark of a prevision of the anguish that was to come. So we circled about, with terrors and scruples like fighters not daring to close, but it was for each other we feared. That kept us a little longer suspended and unbruised. "'I'll tell you everything,' Miles said. "'I mean, I'll tell you anything you like. "'You'll stay on with me, and we shall both be all right. "'And I will tell you. "'I will, but not now. "'Why not now?' "'My insistence turned him from me "'and kept him once more at his window, "'in a silence during which, between us, "'you might have heard a pin drop. "'Then he was before me again, "'with the air of a person for whom, outside, "'someone who had frankly to be reckoned with was waiting. "'I have to see Luke.' "'I had not yet reduced him to quite so vulgar a lie, "'and I felt proportionately ashamed. "'But horrible as it was, his lies made up my truth. "'I achieved thoughtfully a few loops of my knitting. "'Well, then,' "'Go to Luke, and I'll wait for what you promise. "'Only, in return for that, satisfy, "'before you leave me, one very much smaller request.' "'He looked as if he had felt he had succeeded enough "'to be able still a little to bargain. "'Very much smaller? "'Yes, a mere fraction of the whole. "'Tell me. "'Oh, my work preoccupied me, and I was offhand.' If yesterday afternoon from the table in the hall you took, you know, my letter. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.